0: You're listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast, a cape-free zone where we share stories and break down strength and struggle narratives to reimagine lives with us at the center. I'm your host, Kayla Charleston. Now let's get into it. I feel like this topic of Black women being unprotected is being discussed a lot lately, so I figured I would throw my two cents in the ring and give my thoughts on what I feel is behind the statement protect black women, whether or not I feel like that's a realistic ask, and if we should be focusing our efforts elsewhere. I hope that we move the conversation forward at some point. I feel like right now we're a lot of the conversation is okay, hey, we're out here. Please protect us. Can hello, hey Yuhu, can you give us some protection? And I really want us to move past that and move beyond that. So I that's why I'm adding my thoughts and my perspectives on the issue of black women being unprotected. Today's story is about a friend group that I used to be a part of, and this friend group, to me, this friend group was established as kind of a survival mechanism. We were all black people who were a part of a white institution, and y'all are black, so y'all understand the necessity of having a safe space within a white institution. Like if you need to go somewhere to decompress from the latest white nonsense that's been going on, or you need a place where you can take off the mask or not have to code switch. Or even if it's not about escaping the white gaze and it's just a place for y'all to joke and to laugh and to build community and camaraderie, those spaces are super important when you're navigating white institutions. And so that's what that that space was for me. That's what it started out. As for me um a way to kind of find some rest and some solace and some comfort while navigating this white ass institution that made in no made it clear in no uncertain terms that I wasn't welcome so it was all fun and games for a while as part of this friend group until it wasn't and if this is not your first time listening to my podcast. If this is not your first episode, then you already know this. I am a person who wants what's best for, for black women. And I want, I want it to not include us being mules and us laboring and us being in, in service to everybody else. You already know that a lot of my perspectives on what is best for black women don't leave much space for, um, Coddling of black men, it, they don't leave much space for black men slipping and sliding and dodging accountability. And so you can imagine there are lots of black men who don't necessarily get up on my kind of perspectives just because it's normal and it's the status quo in black communities for black men to be coddled and to be allowed to dodge accountability. So in this friend group, it wasn't to me. I never viewed anything that happened within this friend group or anything that was said in this friend group as like cutthroat, like I'm at your neck, like we are hardcore going at it type of disagreements. Um, I feel like everything was, at least on the surface, the veneer of respectable. So it was never conflict like that, but you could tell who got up on whose opinions and who didn't. And there were people in the group who... You know, agreed with me, and there were people who who didn't agree with me. But I never felt like it was, you know, super aggressive conflict going on in the group. I did notice a dynamic. Actually, it it actually took someone saying it overtly before I was like, "Damn, that's what this group has. That's what this friend group has become." And I remember one of the guys saying something like, "Oh, I just said that to." make people in the group chat go off or, oh, I just said that to, um, stir some stuff up in the group or on another occasion. Oh, I just said that to make Kayla angry, specifically Kayla angry, keyword angry, key person Kayla. Right. So that was a trigger for me. That word anger was a trigger for me because for, for several reasons, for one, because I'm not an angry person. And if you've ever met me, then you know, I like to describe my personality as effervescent. I have a bubbly personality. I'm super cheerful. I'm kind of silly, kind of goofy, but anger is not something that you would get off of me just from meeting me. If you know me beyond just meeting me, then you know that I'm not a person who gets angry often. There are very few people who've actually gotten to see me be angry and it's, part part of it is because i do, i just don't like the feeling of being angry it makes me feel it, being angry for me feels like an overwhelming urge to destroy some shit quite honestly i just want to be destructive like i want to tear some shit up and i and i don't always know where to direct that in a healthy way so i don't even like going there i don't even like um allowing myself to get to the point where i am that type of angry it just doesn't feel good I don't like I don't feel in control of myself I just don't like it so there aren't very many people who have seen me angry because I just don't get angry that often so it was very telling to me that they would admit to only saying something to make me angry because they had never seen me angry even though they probably thought they had because a lot of a lot of people like to misconstrue black women's actions or black women's words is anger. But they they had never seen me angry. Nothing that they ever said made me angry. Not only am I not often angry, but I'm also cognizant of this angry black woman stereotype and I do I do more work than I would like to admit on trying to adjust my tone and trying to make sure that I what I'm saying is not perceived as offensive. And I don't always succeed. I don't always succeed, but I do make lots of effort to keep people from thinking that I am angry. And it doesn't in it despite my effort, it obviously does not make me exempt from people actually perceiving me or reading me as angry, right? People will take passion for, mistake passion for anger. They will mistake having an opinion for being angry. They will mistake disagreeing for, for being angry. They'll mistake a lot of things for being angry. And I'm super aware of that. And I try in a lot of different ways to make my delivery as pleasant as possible. In some cases, I mean, in other cases, I just let it rip and like you get whatever, whatever comes out is what comes out. But that doesn't necessarily equate to angry, right? I get frustrated. I get agitated. I get annoyed. None of those things are angry. So for them to read me as angry when they've never seen me as angry tells me that that's how they understand black women or how they view black women. Like that's their default. If the only thing that you can read my responses as is angry, then that's how you view black women. That's not how I'm actually, that's not what I'm actually giving you. I'm not giving you my anger. And I wanted to say, y'all niggas will never have the honor of witnessing my anger because I am so cognizant of not being perceived as angry or because I don't actually like to feel anger You have to be someone that I trust with being vulnerable with. That's a vulnerable state for me. Anger is a vulnerable state for me. So if you see me being angry, I have to feel safe with you and I have to trust you enough to go to that place. So like them niggas would never have the honor of even seeing my anger. That spoke to how they view black women much more than it spoke to how I actually was or what I was actually putting out for them to pick up. And essentially what they were, what they saw was the same things or what they were using against me was the same things that I had to navigate in these white institutions, the angry black woman stereotype. They were using that exact same thing against me in this space that was supposed to be a safe space. And it blew me because to me, I would never use a stereotype about them that, I knew they had to navigate in white spaces. I would never come to the group and be and be making jokes about deadbeat dads, black men being deadbeat dads, and black men being criminals and things like that. I would that would never be the basis of my interactions with you. And the wildest part, like this is this is what was wild, right? Their way of trying to make me angry and trying to cause you know conflict in the group and stir up things in the group would be to say things in support of black men who have done harm to to black women or black children that would be their way of mixing things up so <laughs> which when you really when you really think about it how fucked up is that that you come to a space that was established as a safe space in this white institution away from these white ass people who are stressing us the fuck out why then would you come to this space and show your support for men for black men who have done harm to black women why would you do that and then use that (laughs) to agitate to further agitate black women it made no sense And so in a lot of ways, I, it took a lot of time. It took longer than I would like to admit. I was part of this friend group for years, but I realized, I finally realized how toxic it was to be in this space where men used support of other men who harmed black women and black children as a way to try to push me to anger and to try to use the stereotype of me being an angry black woman against me and it was their way of saying like for for my views like this can't be a safe space for you. It's supposed to be a safe space for everybody, but because we don't necessarily agree with your views, this can't be a safe space for you. And I think that is so characteristic of a lot of like this discussion of black women being unprotected. A lot of the dynamics that were happening in that friend group they apply more generally to black women and why we see ourselves out here so unprotected. So like I said, I feel like a lot of people are talking about black women being unprotected lately. I feel like I have seen this quote from Malcolm X more lately than i have ever before in the past. Y'all know the quote that i'm talking about, black women being the most disrespected, the most unprotected and the most neglected people in America. I feel like i've seen that quote everywhere lately. And like Megan Thee Stallion had it in her performance when she was on Saturday Night Live and just i just seen it i've seen it on Twitter and people just people quoting it and blah blah blah. Speaking of Megan the Stallion, she's an example, that's a perfect example, textbook example of black women being unprotected. And honestly, I feel like this past summer, I don't know what was going on this past summer, but it was like black women being violated and and disrespected like on 10. It's 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 always happening. Like it's always an issue, but for some reason, it feel like this summer was just bam, 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 bam. Examples right and left. So Megan and Tori, the shooting happening, that was in like July. Um, back in June, Oluwato and Talao I really hope I said her name correctly. The, the girl, the 19 year old girl who was protesting and got um, sexually assaulted and killed in in the midst of her Protesting against police brutality and for Black lives, um, the uh, I feel like a few days later, or the next week, or or sometime in prox- in close proximity to um, Oluwatoen was the 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 black woman who got thrown in a dumpster by a group of men who thought that was hilarious to throw a black woman in a dumpster. A few days later, it was a black woman being hit in the face with a skateboard. Like there was just all these different examples of of black women just <laughs> facing these grotesque and and really disgusting types of violence from black men. And then, of course, there's the ongoing case of Breonna Taylor and the ongoing reminder of. Breonna Taylor, which wasn't that was beyond just black women not being protected by black men or being harmed by black black men, right? Obviously, it was a case of police brutality, but the treatment of Breonna Taylor and how what her name came to symbolize, or how people came to use, how people started to use her name when they I guess call themselves doing right by a black woman and bringing awareness to her case and drawing attention to what happened to her was honestly an uh, an example of quote unquote protecting black women gone wrong. Here, a lot of people were thinking that they were doing good by amplifying her name and her face and what happened to her, but. She ended up being a meme in the most disconcerting type of way. And we use memes to communicate humor. We use m- memes to communicate levity. When we don't have words to react to something, there's a meme for it. Memes are funny. We laugh at memes like they are a language of their own at this point. There's nothing about Brianna Taylor's case or her death or her murder that is funny or that should be talked about with any type of levity. It's, it's not funny. So the fact that that her name and her her likeness became a meme and people had this, it seemed like competition for who could be the most witty and who could come up with the most mundane thing to start out talking about and lull you into a sense of, I don't know, security or whatever, and then switch it up and be like, psych, um, arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor, what it what what was that about? And it was like a battle to outwit the next person, and you know, create the most the most witty meme where we could trick people into thinking we're talking about something mundane, but then switch it up and really we're talking about Breonna Taylor. And it's disconcerting because I have never, ever, ever seen a male victim of police brutality treated in such a way. I've never seen a male victim of police brutality become a meme, ever. And I don't think you can name a male victim of police brutality who's become a meme either. And so even when we feel like we're doing right by Black women and amplifying um, their names and instances where they've experienced violence, we're still... Lacking the ability to recognize Black women's humanity, and in all these, in, in all of these instances, in all of these situations, there's a lack of recognition for Black women's humanity. That's the common thread in all of these different situations. So for for Brianna Taylor to become a meme, there's there's a lack of humanity. There's a lack of of being able to see her as a person. Memes, these memes that we make. With these people, they are unattached from the actual people. It's such, if you've ever, if you've ever actually seen a person outside of the context of the meme that they are like the star of, it's kind of disorienting. Like the blinky faced white guy or the black girl in the hills with the pink with the pink jacket who's squinting with her hands on the knee on their knees. I've seen both of these people out of context of the memes that went viral. And it was disorienting because it was like, wow, these are actual people who have a life apart from this viral meme. And that makes it even more offensive to think that we made Breonna Taylor a meme. What what a way to detach her from her humanity, even more than she already was dehumanized by being murdered by the police. That's what all of it boils down to: is people not being able to recognize the humanity, the humanity of black women, not being able to recognize us as as human beings who experience pain, who get tired, who cry, who want to rest, who experience a full range of emotions. We don't get that. And a lot of that is the base of, or it's the foundation of of the violence that we experience. And what makes it so easy to perpetuate acts of violence against us is because we just aren't full human beings to a lot of people. This is why I asked the question, or I, I kind of question what, It actually means when we say protect black women, who are we asking for protection and what are we asking them to protect us from? We need to be very clear on those things and we need to be honest. When we have the answer to those things, we need to be honest about how realistic it is that we receive protection from who it is we're asking for protection and how realistic it is for them to protect us against what we're seeking protection from. So in other words, When I see women making statements like protect black women, to me, that is an ask of black men. It is saying black men in black communities, take a stand, do something, stand with us to protect us against the black men within our communities that are harming us. Maybe you have a different opinion. Maybe that's not how you see it. Maybe that's not who you feel like it's directed to. But when I see women saying, protect Black women, I see them talking to Black men and asking them to stand up and protect us against the violence and the harm that other Black men are causing. And if I'm going to be honest, I don't think that that is a realistic ask. I think that Black women are the protectors of our communities and we're the protectors of Black men. That's our role within our communities. And we do it in a lot of ways. I saw a tweet just the other day, yesterday, the day before, I don't know. I saw a tweet though from a woman. This, this is what the tweet said. Ladies, do you give your man a soft place to fall after he deals with work in a racist world and makes it back home without being shot and killed? Or do you become another enemy? Nurture him with your feminine grace. So he will communicate with you. Now, I don't know what world she lives in, but the world I live in, I experience racism too. I experience white supremacy too. My black ass has the potential of being shot too. So what world is it that (laughs) black men get to come home and be nurtured and have a soft place to fall Right. And it's and it's us. It's black women who are providing that soft place as if we're not also navigating the same white ass, racist, white supremacist society. But it's it's like it's the expectation that we are their soft, their soft place to land. Never mind that we navigate the same systems. We don't need a soft place to land. That's something that we do for black men, using our feminine nature to shield them from the outside world. And of course, there were people who were quote eating that and tearing her, tearing her up. <laughs> the responses were quite funny, but I don't think that what she was expressing was unique or was uncommon. I don't think so at all. I think there are a lot of women and a lot of men who think that it's women's, Black women's role to be that nurture, that nurturing force or that nurturing um, figure for Black men, that, that like protection factor, that protective factor against the outside world for Black men, which is something that we don't get in return. Um, I think another way that a lot of Black women are proud to say that we do for Black men is protesting and marching for black men and sometimes this turns into for me sometimes it turns into begging or or using the fact that there are women black women on the front lines at these marches and at these protests um using that as a way to say hey black men look at all we do for you why can't you show up for us we're on the front lines um risking our lives to march for you and your humanity and for you to not be killed? Why can't you step up and protect us? And I honestly hate to see that happening because black men know that we do this. It's not a secret. It's not anything new for black women to be on the front lines. I think if it were actually convincing enough for black men as a collective, it would have already convinced them. So I don't really see the um, use in touting black women being on the front lines as incentive or impetus for black men to step up and start protecting black women more. It's It's not gonna work. It hasn't in the past. I don't see it changing. And we also protect black men through our silence. I think the silences that we keep for black men do a lot to allow Black men to continue to harm us. And the silences are expected. We're, we're expected to to keep quiet about the harm that Black men cause because we don't want to say something against a Black man that's going to take, to, to take him down in a world that's already pitted against him, that's already racist and white supremacist. We don't want to be the ones that are responsible for his downfall. And that's really unfair to us because that doesn't do anything for us except expose us to greater harm and greater risk and free up black men to continue to harm. And Megan is a great example of this. Again, I'm probably going to bring her up again because she's just it's just a textbook example of black black women lacking protection, but Megan is a great example of this. Megan stayed silent on more than one occasion to protect Tori. To protect herself as well, but to protect Tori too. Like when the cops showed up and she decided not to divulge that he had a gun because she didn't want to get shot up, but she also knew what it looked like for a black man to have a gun and how that is enough for a a police officer, officer to get trigger happy and kill a nigga. So she didn't say that he had a gun, despite the fact that he had just shot her. Um, She didn't file a police report naming him as the shooter after it came out that she got shot. She did not put Tori's name in the media. She tried to keep his name out of the media. There are so many ways that Megan tried to be silent about what happened to her, even though she was the victim of violence. And I think that's so common of an expectation for black women is to Remain silent. Don't speak on how you've been harmed by Black men because you don't want harm to come to them. There are many ways that we protect Black men within our communities. Many, many, many ways that we protect Black men. And so what really is the incentive for Black men to to shift that role? Like, What what incentive is there for men to step into the role of protectors of, of Black women? when they're already receiving our protection, we're already in that role. We're already protecting them in a way that maintains their status in our communities. And so this brings me to the the two reasons why I feel like we don't have protection from black men. And there probably are more than just two reasons and people have other thoughts and other opinions on why it is we don't have protection from black men. These are just two of my opinions but one of those is that a lot of black men think we deserve the violence that we get a lot of them (laughs) feel like it's justified so what protection what you need protection for you brought that on yourself like that's what you get and again in the case with Megan you saw what happened when she said that she was shot a lot of People didn't believe her. A lot of people needed more proof. I need to hear what Tori, I need to hear Tori's side. I don't know. She must have said something that made him angry. Oh, I saw jokes about uh Megan must have pulled her dick out, and that's what made Tori mad. I saw jokes like that. Just all kinds of ways people were justifying or trivializing her being shot. Didn't not believe in her, not believing her needn't prove, et cetera, et cetera. And let's talk about the fact that Megan is, okay, not only a black woman, but not a respectable black woman, quote unquote, respectable. A, a black woman who is overtly sexual, who talks about her sexuality, who talks about liking sex, who twerks because it's fun and because she wants to, who wears clothes that show off her body, who talks about, who who is not ashamed or not um, shy about talking about men giving her money, like all these different things. And she exists in a body that is not small. She's not fat, but she's tall. She, is, she, is, she has a large stature. She's tall and she takes up space. So here we have a woman who's not respectable and not petite and not small. She had to do something that warranted her being shy. So let me just hear Tori's side of the story to, to confirm what I already know. I already know she did something to make him shoot her. A lot of Black men believe that we deserve the violence that we get. And it's because many of them have not unlearned the racist and white supremacist Stereotypes and tropes and archetypes and images and ideas about black women. A lot of them still see us as mammies or view us as mammies, right? That's where the labor thing comes into play, where we're, we're, we're valued for our, our labor to them. Black women are so strong and so resilient, and blah, 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 blah. That's, that's nothing but a mammy. <laughs> never who never tires of of working for everybody else's good and everybody else's benefit or seeing or celebrating us likewise celebrating us for our bodies Oh black nobody has a body like a black woman or the converse of that celebrating non-black women for having bodies like black women and saying things like oh what do we need black women for if 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 white girls or Latina girls are look like this. We don't need black women anymore. Right? That's nothing but hypersexualizing black women and viewing us as only bodies to be fucked. Bodies that exist only to satisfy men and their sexual appetite and their sexual desires. The angry black woman stereotype. This it fits perfectly with this story or the example of the friend group that I'm no longer a part of. They had never seen me angry, but that didn't stop them from reading me as angry when I expressed opinions that they didn't necessarily like or didn't didn't necessarily agree with. That was their go-to. That was their default. Okay, well, she's angry. <laughs> I don't really like what she has to say, and I'm not going to engage it on an intellectual level. So we're just going to call her angry. <laughs> she, we're just going to label her as angry. And it's almost as if... Not almost. It is. What it was was that their antagonism, their being antagonistic toward me and towards the other and toward other individuals in the group who shared similar perspectives as me, their their trolling of us was a sort of punishment for not falling in line, for not being a woman who was more agreeable to them or a woman who was more inclined to coddle them. Or more inclined to um, let black men dodge accountability. It was punishment. You don't get to exist in this space safely. You know, this doesn't get to be a protected space for you because you don't, you're not the type of black woman that we think deserves protection. That's what it was. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. And that's what it is for a lot of black men and that's why a lot of black men are not offering protection because they still see us as these mammies who never tire, who don't experience pain. These angry black women who don't experience pain, who don't who who never are vulnerable or never want to cry or don't experience a range of emotions. They sit they still see us as these things. Again, it falls back to not recognizing our humanity. They still see us as these things and those things these these stereotypes justify why we experience violence so protect us for what that's what we that's what we ask for for being these these mammies and these angry black women that's what we brought on ourselves. there's there's no need to protect us it's what we get so that's one of the reasons why i feel like we're unprotected um another reason why we're unprotected is because it doesn't actually benefit black men to protect black women. And so I wanna be I want to clarify, I should clarify that this whole time I've been talking about cisgendered heterosexual black men. When I say black men in this context, I'm talking about cisgender heterosexual black men. It does not benefit cishet black men to protect black women or the black community as a whole. And I think a lot of black, this is because, I think this is because a lot of black men are men first. And what I mean when I say that is that black men are going to have solidarity with men before they're going to have solidarity with other people in the black community. Cishet black men are going to have solidarity or express solidarity with other cishet Black men before they'll ever express solidarity with other members of the Black community. They are men first before they are Black. So they're going to choose other cishet men over Black gender nonconforming people, Black women, Black queer people, Black children. All of their interests all the interests of all those other Black people in the Black communities, that's not going to take precedent over Black men choosing solidarity with other Black men. And the reason for this is because Black men are conferred privilege on the basis of being men. right? So their identity as men is where they experience privilege. They don't experience privilege as black people. We know that as much anti-blackness as there is in the world, they do not experience privilege for being black, but they do experience privilege for being men. Despite what black men, some black men will be out here talking about how being black cancels out their male privilege. No, it doesn't. We live in a patriarchy. You have male privilege and black men will lean into their having male privilege and use it in a way that they feel like gets them closer to the power that white men are able to exercise. And that's, that's really the gist of it. That's it right there is the desire to have the same power that white men have. And to be able to exercise that power with impunity. That's it right there. And I know black men hate to be compared to white people. I know they hate the the saying black men are the white people of black people, but it's honestly true. And who the the their counterpart in terms of their positioning to white men is white women. And it's why white women, majority of white women voted for Trump in twenty sixteen. Despite Trump being sexist, despite Trump being open about sexually assaulting women. White women still voted for him because of their whiteness, because they're conferred privilege on the basis of their identity as white. So they would rather identif- they would rather lean into their identity as white and soak up all that privilege than to align with their more their marginalized identity of women. And be in coalition in, with, other, with women of color and black women and do what's in the favor of other um, women in general, right? They'd rather lean into their identity as white because that's where their privilege comes from. It's the same thing with men. They'd rather lean into their identity as men because that's what gets them closer to the status and the power that white men have. And that's what it boils down to. That's why a lot of the comments, again, to use Megan as an, as an example, that's why it wouldn't matter what evidence Megan presented. She could have she could have presented a video that showed Tory Lanes actually shooting her in the feet, and it still would have been people who said, "I need more context. There had to be something else to this." like that explains why he shot her. I just don't believe it. And it sounds just like and I and the reason I know that that's how it would be is because that's what white people do in cases of police brutality when people get sh- when people get killed when people are targeted by the police. They do the same thing. Oh, I need more context. I don't have all the facts. I need to hear what really happened. It's the same thing that white people do. The parallels are there. The parallels are absolutely there between black men and white people how black men um choose to identify as men first rather than to be in community with other members of the black community but also beyond that it actually benefits men who who are not responsible for these like egregious instances of harm towards black women. It benefits them to fall back and not do much to protect black women. And I and I actually wrote about this. I wrote about this in a blog post called Spoiler Alert Good Men Don't Exist. And in this blog post, I talk about binaries and how we tend to view good men like, as part of a binary. There are only two components of this binary. There's good men and there's not good men. And good men essentially get to just show up. And them showing up is what defines their goodness, right? There's no consensus on what good means. Good could be walking um, elderly people across a busy intersection. It could be volunteering at the Humane Society with, you know, abandoned pets. It could be Taking pictures with babies and cooling at babies. It could mean anything. It could be as, you know, basic as having a job and having a car and not living at home with your mom. And now you're considered a good man because you have you have your own stuff. There's no consensus on what good means. And a lot of times it means just showing up. And in the context of this conversation, in the context of in the context of this discussion, that looks like Posting protect black women and then not actually doing the work to examine how, in your very own life, you may be causing harm to black women or you may be supporting someone who causes harm to black women. Ain't done that the first, ain't done a lick of introspection on how you can actually protect black women, but you post and protect black women. And some people might be listening to this thinking, Well, how do you know they're not? De-? Listen. <laughs> Listen, I've had these conversations with men who pride themselves on listening to black women and learning from black women. And a lot of times when you say, hey, look, um, there was this thing that you did or this thing that you said that was kind of problematic. It made me feel a little uncomfortable. Watch how quickly I've seen how quickly it turns into deflecting. It turns into dismissal. It turns into denial. It turns into a uh, refusal to reckon with how you are causing harm to black women, even if it's not overtly violent. And it's easy for them to speak out about the latest example of, you know, viral violence against a black woman, but not so easy to turn the lens back on themselves. And that's the function of the binary. Categories in a binary are mutually exclusive They're defined in opposition to one another. So if there are men who are aggressively violent towards women, then the opposite of that, the opposite category in the binary would be the men who aren't. And that's the quote unquote good men who, again, get to be good. In relation or in contrast to this other other category of aggressively violent men, and notice that it doesn't require them to actually do anything. It doesn't say it doesn't mean that they're kind or they're honest or you know they're ambitious or uh, they have lots of integrity. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't describe them in any way or um, speak to their character in any way. It just means that they're not these men who are being aggressively violent toward women who essentially get points just for showing up. Let's talk about how, because I have encountered the number of men that I have who do not respect boundaries, that now when I meet a man who does respect boundaries, I end up giving him brownie points. He He gets bonus points. He gets brownie points for actually respecting boundaries. And it should be that respecting boundaries is the norm right it that should be what people do like as a standard you should always respect boundaries and it shouldn't be something that someone gets bonus points for but i find myself being surprised being pleasantly surprised when i encounter a man who does who does respect boundaries because in comparison or in relation to the men who don't it's such a treat <laughs> and like <laughs> it's so that's so it shouldn't be like that it should not be that you get bonus points you get brownie points for doing what you should be doing but that's the na- that's the nature of the ba- of the binary that's how it works you get propped up you get put on a pedestal you get celebrated just for showing up and just for doing the bare minimum and what actually ends up happening is it's not that these men who are good men who get to be good men in contrast or in relation to these men who are aggressively violent it's not that they're not causing any harm maybe it's just benevolent harm right like the guys in the friend group that i was talking about they are not to my knowledge they're not um physically abusing black women or being aggressively violent to to black women And they would they would swear up and down that they love black women and care about black women and blah, blah, blah. But there they were being antagonistic to black women and making it very clear that they weren't going to protect a certain kind of black woman who wasn't agreeable. With them. So, in essence, this, this good man, not good man binary, it allows for both types of men to continue harm. Because when you're quote unquote a good man, you need that other category to exist so that you can be propped up. And this is why you see, you will see a lot of men make this distinction between boys and men. Like when there is a, discussion or somebody's talking about a man who's done something foul to a woman you'll see men say oh he's a boy a real man wouldn't do that right that's reinforcing that binary they need for for themselves to be be positioned in relation to this other not good man so that they look better and so that the benevolent forms of harm that they cause the gaslighting the dismissal the um, deflecting the trolling as in the group all these different forms of, of harm that are not aggressively violent, like they need those other men to prop them up so that they look good in comparison, doing the bare minimum and showing up with their protected black women posts. And so again this is why there's really no there's really no incentive for black men to protect black women they all benefit men who are aggressively violent towards black women are just acting out their entitlement under patriarchy because violence is an entitlement of patriarchy men are seen as violent creatures they just are going to act violently in general not just toward women but in general we just see violence as an acceptable marker of of manhood so It's just what men do. And since we've talked about black men being men first, they're going to be in solidarity with other men because to challenge other men and to hold other men accountable for their patriarchal violence toward women is to question a system or to challenge a system in which they have privilege as men. So they're not going to do that because they're men first. And they're also not going to do it because they need those other men positioned as not good men to make them look better. And this is why I would like for the conversation to move beyond asking for making statements like protect black women that are asking for black men to be the ones who step up and are responsible for protecting us. Because I just not have not seen enough evidence that there's enough motivation, enough incentive for for black men to actually do that. It it benefits them too much not to protect black women. So it's a it's a really com- it's a really complex spot or situation to be in for black women because I do feel like any type of protection that we try to establish for ourselves would be met with resistance, and that's just because the nature of again patriarchal violence and. The fact that we're not as a collective, we're not seen as a group that's worthy of protection, so for us to establish means of protection for ourselves, I don't think that necessarily would go over well, but it's not to not to say that it's not needed or it's not you know something that can happen. I just don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like for black women to establish protection for ourselves, and I'm thinking of the example of Marissa Alexander was a black woman who fired a warning shot into the ceiling of her home because her husband threatened her husband attacked her and threatened to kill her and she was arrested and sentenced 20 year a 20 year um, mandatory minimum sentence for firing off a warning shot into her ceiling they did not harm anybody and this was Florida, and Florida is a stand-your-ground state. So that, well, that lets you know right there that Black women are not allowed, we're not even allowed to protect ourselves. So like I said, it's really complex. I don't have the answers. I just want more of the conversation to move beyond these statements, protect Black women, that are aimed at trying to convince or cajole or coax Black men into stepping up and being our protectors. I haven't seen enough evidence that black men as a collective want to protect black women. As I said, black women are black men's protectors. There's no, there's no motivation. There's essentially no reason for men to disturb those roles <laughs> since they benefit so much from not protecting us. So I want for our conversations about black women being unprotected to start focusing more on what that protection looks like beyond seeking it from Black men. Thank you for listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes drop and rate and review so others will know how much you love the show too. If you want to keep up with me personally, you can follow me on Instagram at Not the wifey Type. Until next time, I'm reminding you to belong to yourself.